from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow, Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Amen. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. You sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. Plunge me to victory beneath the crimson flood. Amen. Have you been to the river? Have you been baptized? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Aren't you glad this morning that you have been to that, that fountain that yes. never fails? There's a fountain that never fails. And we plunge beneath that fountain and allow God to restore us and heal us in everything. We give him thanks. Received a very troubling phone call Saturday morning about 9 a.m., my lifelong friend who I grew up with in church, his daughter and husband and two sons went to bed Friday night, was awakened at 2.30 in the morning. Their house had caught on fire. They escaped with their life. The oldest son had to go to the emergency room for smoke inhalation. They lost everything. They lost their truck, their garage, their, their, their house literally burnt to the ground. And as we pray for them today, we reflect how good God has been to us. Amen. You're not in the hospital. You're not in jail. Your house didn't burn down. Yes. God has been good to us. Yes. And we remember those that are not quite as healthy and as blessed as we are. This morning, I just want to share just a few notes. Bill, it's always a joy to see in the house. Always a joy. Yes. Um, look at somebody and say, today's thought, today's thought is very simple. Very Ready? Ready? Just, Just show up. Just show up. I found the secret to life, Dean. The secret to life is being at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, for the right reason. Cord, did you write that down? Right place, at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason. And how much less complicated life would be if we simply pursued those things. I look back in that, that season of drugs and alcohol, I realized that one thing took everything. But when you serve the Lord, you give up one thing and you get everything. Amen. Isn't that a good feeling? It's a great trade. We don't, uh, sometimes I feel like Jesus is not a very good bargain maker because I always get the best. Anybody ever feel like you get the best of the bargain? You got in that redemption and that transformation. You got God's best and uh, we were reflecting, um, I believe it was Sunday evening, I was in Reform, Alabama, and I looked up and you could see almost every star in the sky, millions and millions of stars, and then I saw a shooting star, which to me is always cool. That's just a, that's just a cool look. It happened probably 100,000 years ago, and we're just now seeing the light of it. 
but I looked up and I was explaining to my, uh, my friend, I kind of have about 10 guys in the hunting club. I've kind of become the club's pastor. It's kind of humorous, but I was explaining to one of the guys about God's goodness, and I said, even, the Bible says, even the heavens declare his blessing and his favor. And you look at the little dipper and how little that dipper is in, in contrast to all the other formations and that little dipper is being like offered towards heaven. And then you look at the big dipper where 10 little dippers could fit in the big dipper and the big dipper is turned upside down on the earth showing as we invest in the kingdom of God and we bless him, he in turn opens a window, actually five windows, and pours out blessings. The Bible says that there's not room enough to receive it. And that's a good place to be when you're where God wants you to be and you're doing what God wants you to do and you're doing the right thing. When I think of, when I think of just showing up, I, I think of Gideon. And the people of Israel were under attack. The Philistines were cruel. They were evil. They were barbarians. And they were trying to destroy the family, the people of God. And the Bible says that Gideon had a, a, a bean field in the shadow of the, wa the water tower. And in the shade of that water tower, Gideon was, was pulling weeds and he was making sure that bean field was okay. And every day he went to that bean field and every day he showed up doing the right thing and he was where God knew he would be. You know, a lot of times I think God looks for us and does not find us where he expects us to be. That's just a thought. Uh, I, I find God at Walmart, but I find him more at Harvest. There's just something about a corporate anointing that TV, and I appreciate Christian television. I believe it's a blessing, but Christian television cannot replace that corporate anointing when two or three gather together in his midst. So God, knowing that you would be here today, God brought something just for you, and he doesn't want you to leave without it. He's got something for you. And aren't you glad that God rolls that way? God flows that way. God made an appointment with us. He knew on this Sunday morning we would be in his house and we would praise and worship him and we would offer vapors of praise and clouds would be formed and God would allow rain to begin to fall from those clouds. And God can do in a second what a prescription can't do in a lifetime. God can do in a moment what alcohol cannot do in a lifetime. That's just the way he rolls. And if you come expecting to receive you're probably going to get. If you came this morning with anticipation that something's going to happen today in my life that's going to make me better and stronger and healthier and happier, if you believe that, then you're going to, you're going to leave with something. I encourage you this morning, as this word goes forward, there's something in it that relates to you. Receive it, believe it, declare it, agree with it. Just say, I want that for me. But Gideon just showed up. That He just showed up and he was taking care of a field, and as he was where God knew he would be, God approached him. It was probably the pre-incarnate Christ. The Bible says it was an angel, but it was probably the Lord. And when the angel came to where Gideon was, he said to him, O Gideon, thy mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, I don't feel like a mighty man of valor. Our people are under attack. I got this little field. I'm trying to make sure the Philistines don't get it and don't, they don't steal from me. I'm just, I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to support my family. I'm trying to take care of my house. I'm, I'm just here trying to do the right thing. And God knew where Gideon would be. God knew what Gideon was made of and what Gideon was capable of. When God looks at you, he does not see your flaws. 
Some of us have very few. But he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your mindset. He doesn't see your personality challenges. God sees the greatness in you that he planted in you before you were even in your mother's womb. He wove all those things together like a beautiful quilt. Isaiah, uh, Psalms 1 and 19 talks about how God, how God quilts us together and brings all the pieces together. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees what he created in you, the greatness he created in you. And he's here to help you pursue that greatness, your destiny, and your purpose. God saw Gideon. God saw what Gideon could do. Later, we learned that Gideon took 300 men and destroyed an army of thousands. That was his destiny. That was his call. That was his purpose. But when he was taking care of that bean field, he didn't feel called. He didn't feel like he had destiny. He didn't feel like he had purpose. He was just trying to survive. Do we have any survivors in the building that can relate? I've been many dangers, toils, and snares, the, the songwriter said. I have already overcome. Do we have any overcomers in the house this morning? Can anybody relate to what pastor is saying? You have, you have survived. You are here. You're not dead. You're still healthy. You can still hear. You can still wave at me. You still have those cognitive skills that God gave you when you're in your mother's womb. We are more than overcomers, the Apostle Paul said, more than overcome. Aren't you glad this morning that you're more than an overcomer? Well, look at me and say, well, Pastor, I don't feel like an overcomer. But you're here. You showed up. You came. This morning when the alarm went off at 745, my spirit said yes, but my body said no. And I said, well, I'm going to push the snooze button on my phone. And I pushed the wrong button. I turned the phone off. And I said, well, I probably better not go back to sleep because I won't wake up because I really didn't want to get out of bed this morning. Can anybody relate? That bed felt good and I wanted to stay there. But I got out of bed and I purposed in my heart to gather together because I heard two things. First of all, I heard that the Lord was going to be here. And second of all, I heard that you were going to be here, and you and I make a majority. The word says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am right in the middle. And I just, I just, I don't know, just in my spirit, I saw something crazy. I saw Jesus just do a cannonball into the pool just to let us know that he's here and he's in our midst. Got any cannonball people here in the house that relate to what Pastor is saying? You've got to commit. You've got to get off the edge. You've got to get all the way in. And when you're all in, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, about being all in, then God honors the effort. Yes. Lemuel Miller sang with the Bill Gaither vocal band, World Karate Champion, 1972, the only person to ever defeat Chuck Norris in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Lemuel Miller taught us a long time ago. He said, Hank, if you make the effort, God will bless the effort. That's right. And aren't you glad this morning that you're making an effort? God will bless that effort. I think about Gideon, that, that mighty man, that, that stability. What did I write here about Gideon? Stability brings promotion. Yes, it does. Look at somebody and say, credibility, credibility. And, stability and stability brings promotion. Brings promotion. When you're pursuing what God wants you to pursue, God can trust you and God can use you and he will. Two things. 
He came, you're here, something is going to happen. Then I think about David. David was doing the right thing. David was taking care of his father's sheep. And you know, that sounds, Donna, that kind of sounds like boring or just low life or, I mean, taking care of a bunch of smelly. I don't know if they smell or not. I really haven't been around sheep very much, but I know that they wander off and they're, they're a nuisance and they're, they're, they don't conform. They don't, they don't obey. They just wander around and do their own thing. And David every day took care of those sheep. But in the doing the, the norm, just showing up, there was a day when a lion roared against one of his father's sheep. David was more afraid of his father, Donnie, than he was of the, of the lion. He said, well, I can't let a lion get one of dad's sheep. Dad will wear me out with that hickory stick. Anybody been wore out with a hickory stick? Yes, sir. Mine was more of like about a two-inch belt. Can anybody relate to the two-inch belt? Those switches wouldn't hurt. You can't hurt a 12-year-old with a switch. you got to get some heavy artillery. And my dad had the artillery, and my dad wore me out. Can anybody relate? And David said, I am not going to lose one of my dad's sheep because I don't want to pay the consequences. So the Bible says that David killed a lion. And the way he killed the lion, that in hours of, uh, hours of d- downtime, taking care of a bunch of sheep, David perfected the sling. He perfected that tool that he had. And I promise you, as you begin to perfect the tool of prayer and you begin to perfect the tool of praise and worship, God can use you to overcome any lions that would roar against you, any lion that would try to destroy you. Why? Because the lion of the tribe of Judah lives on the inside of you, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you and the Lord can take on any lion that would try to come and hurt you or the things that belong to you. And then one day there was a bear. David was a little bit more courageous. He said, well, I defeated a lion. I may as well take on this bear. And the Bible says that David slew the bear. Do we have any bear slayers in the house? Do we have any lion slayers in the house? Anybody been overwhelmed by impossible odds and you won? Anybody encountered a negative report and you saw it turn around? You ever have a specialist tell you something wrong with you only for God to say, by the stripes of my son, you are healed. And you went back to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you don't need medication. You don't need surgery. Everything's okay. Do we have any survivors in the house that can relate that God touched you? You defeated that bear in your life, that lion in your life. But David showed up one day. And he was taking bread and cheese to his brothers in battle. That's all he was doing. He was at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason. And he saw Goliath. And he heard Goliath scream against God's people. And he looked around and nobody wanted to take on Goliath. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. Even the king was afraid of Goliath. But you know what David said? David said, I was at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason. I defended my father's flock. I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. Bring on that Goliath. Can anybody relate? We have survivors in this house that should be dead because of a drug overdose. How many can relate? Put Put too many drugs in my body. It's a miracle that I'm alive. Can anybody relate? David said, I am a survivor. I'm more than a conqueror. I've already taken on the lion. I've already taken on a bear. This giant is nothing. Look at somebody say, nothing. Nothing. And because David showed up that particular day, 
and heard that challenge of Goliath, the Bible says that David ran towards the enemy and he took that sling. History says that the armor of the Philistine, there was only a little patch right here on his forehead. His helmet came around and there was a little spot right here. And David running, I like that. He wasn't standing, he was running. As he ran towards the giant, he put that stone that the builder rejected, hello, and he began to sling that, he began to swing that sling, and he released that rock, and that rock hit Goliath right in the head, but it didn't kill him. I think a lot of times in life we deal with our problems, but we keep doing stuff that brings our problems back. I believe sometimes we speak things are out of order and it brings things into our life that we really don't need, we really don't deserve, and we really don't want. Can anybody relate? Let me tell you something. If you've knocked down your giant, go ahead and take the weapon that was formed against you because no weapon formed against you can prosper. Take that sword the enemy's trying to destroy you with, cut the head off your giant, and you'll deal with that no more. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about 40 years ago when I made my way to an altar and I gave my heart to God and I walked out of that building and I went to my house and I cleaned house and I never did another drug. I never smoked another joint. I never drank another beer. Even seven and seven went away. I won that battle. I defeated that enemy of drug abuse and alcohol. And, and can anybody relate to what Pastor is saying today? How many has cut the head off their giant and you stand with David and say, no weapon formed against can prosper, and I can do, Donna, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. That's okay. David, the right place, the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason. He just showed up. And then I think of a story, even interesting story about Rahab the harlot. She was a mistress. She was the madam. She was over the house of prostitution. The Bible says the spies came to that house and they spied out the land. And Rahab said, we've heard of your God. We've heard about the parting of the Red Sea. We've heard about the enemies that you have defeated and we are afraid of you. And when they began to look for the spies, Rahab hid the spies, the Bible says, in peace. Rahab was the right place at the right time doing the right thing for the right reason. You say, well, pastor, can God use a harlot, a prostitute? Absolutely. God can use anybody that's willing to make themselves available. If you make the effort, God will bless the effort. God, you don't, with God, you don't have a past. You don't have a memory. But old things are passed away. All things are in the process of becoming new. God does not judge you for the, for the events of yesterday. But today is a new day living for Jesus. A brand new day. Aren't you glad for that? She was at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason. And then I think about Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says, was called out of the land that he was comfortable with and called to go into a land that God had for him. He was looking for a city, the Bible says, whose builder and maker was God. And because Abraham was doing the right thing at the right place at the right time for the right reason, God came to where Abraham was, and God told Abraham, through the, probably it was the son Jesus, pre-incarnate, but the, the angel told Abraham, you found favor with the Lord, and your seed is going to be like the stars of the sky and the sands of the ocean. Now, when you think about that, I'm trying to think of the different oceans that I've been to. I probably 
Probably Chris and Susan have been to maybe all the oceans. Have you been to all the oceans? Most of you don't know? I'll do an inventory later and tell me so I, next time I preach this, I'll be more accurate. But I think about, I served, uh, I served Huntington Beach, and I served Waikiki, and I went to the East Coast, but there's no waves on the East Coast. I remember we took all the kids in Panama City, and they said, look at those waves, and they were about this tall, and I said, that's not a wave. Well, let me take it to Huntington Beach. I'll show you a wave. Hello, can anybody relate to what pastor is saying? But Abraham was at the right place. He was where God wanted him to be. He was doing what God wanted him to do. And what was so crazy, Abraham had a son. You know the story. And Isaac had, we know, 12 sons. We know those 12 sons had 100 sons. And those 100 sons had 1,000 sons. And those 1,000 sons had 10,000 sons. And the next thing you know, the Jewish nation is more than the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. God always keeps his promise. Do I have a friend in the house today? And then when I think about just showing up and doing the right thing, I think about the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, how even under times of stress and duress, they spoke the word clearly. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow, as Daniel refused to stop praying, Daniel was at the right place at the right time doing the right thing for the right reason. He showed up. And because he was faithful in his prayer, his enemy tried to come against him. Let me tell you something. You can't stop a child that's praying to God. Let me rephrase that. The enemy can't stop you when you're talking to God. Amen. The enemy can't stop when you're praying and asking for God's direction and God's wisdom. And you might be belittled, you might be ridiculed, but you're doing the right thing, hello, at the right time, at the right season, for the right reason. Aren't you glad this morning that you're where you're at and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? Yes. Look at somebody and say, I'm at the right place. The right place. Things are going to happen here. Happen. This is the right, the right time. This is the right season. For the right thing. For the right thing. And I'm going to see a breakthrough. I'll say, that I'm, say it with me. I'm going to see a breakthrough in Jesus' name. I think about Joseph. Dreamer. Baby of the family. Shared his dream. Brothers got jealous. Sold him into slavery. You know the story. Thirteen years later. The butler told the king, I know a guy that can interpret dreams. They pulled Joseph out of prison, stood before Pharaoh. Joseph interpreted the dream. Pharaoh made him the number two man over the kingdom. They had conquered Egypt, conquered most of the known world. And Joseph became the number two man because, again, he was at the right place, at the right time, for the right reason, doing the right thing. And then I conclude with the thought of Esther and Mordecai. It's about a seven-minute read, 12 chapters. It is the only book of the Bible that does not mention God or Jesus or Christ or any Lord. It's the only book in the Bible. But the whole book is about God. The whole book is about God's divine protection and God's divine purpose. And we know the story of Esther. First of all, she was a virgin. She did not compromise her virginity. She walked in that wellness, that wholeness, that holiness. She kept, herself, she kept herself faithful. And because she was a virgin, it qualified her to become a candidate. Wow, what a thought. In that candidacy, 
She was taken for one year before she stepped in the king's presence. And for six months, they did oils, and they got her skin soft as a baby's butt. Is it okay to say that public, baby's butt? Soft. Her, stay with me. For six months, the Bible said she was anointed with oil to make her soft. And then the next six months, she was anointed with perfume to make her smell pretty. And you know what? She just showed up soft, pretty, walking in virginity. And the Bible says immediately the king's heart was turned to Esther. And immediately the king made her his queen. You know the story, there was a plot to destroy the people of God. Mordecai was sitting by the king's gate, heard a plot about two people wanting to kill the king. He brought it to the king's attention. The two were found guilty and they were hung on the gallows. And we know that Esther and Mordecai were cousins. Someone said, well, it was her uncle. No, it wasn't her uncle, it was her cousin, but he was older than her. When her parents died, he raised her a godly young woman, a godly person, and we know the story. Haman came up with a plot, and the very day that Haman came up with the plot to, to hang Mordecai was the very day the king woke up, couldn't sleep, that brought the book's history to him, and he began to read, and wrote, he read in the story where Mordecai had saved his life, and he woke up his, his uh, intelligence, and he said, what did we do for Mordecai for saving my life? And they said, well, we, we didn't do anything. So, so the king called Haman in. Haman thought he was going to be exalted. Haman already had built the gallows jewel to hang Mordecai. And the king said, what, what should we do for someone that has a king's favor and has a king's honor and the king wants to bless? And Haman, thinking that the king was talking about him, said, oh, you need to put a beautiful purple robe on him, put, put riches and treasures and put him in a chariot and drive up and down the streets of the, of the kingdom and, and proclaim his greatness. And, and, and the king said, okay, Haman, I want you to do that for Mordecai. Isn't that just like the, the Lord, yeah. that the very enemies that come against you to try to hurt you, God uses them to turn around and bring blessing in your life? Yes, it's called hitting... It's called putting coals of fire on their lap. It gets their attention, Aaron. And so here Haman is driving around with Mordecai, the one man he despised and hated. Here he is showing him off to the whole village. And then when Mordecai finds that the plan that Haman came up to destroy all the Jews, Mordecai goes to Esther. said, if you don't help, watch it. If you don't help out, God will do it another way. But God has raised you up for such a time as this for you to make it happen. And I think about that divine reversal we talked about a few weeks ago. When I think about that, that divine acceleration, that, that divine preparation, that when God is in the mix, it will not fail. When God is in the mix, it's going to work. It's going to happen. It's not just a good plan, Tina. It's a God plan. Little is much if God is in it. But if God is in it, look at the little things he does to make them into big things. That's just the way that he rolls. Aren't you glad that you got a God that knows how to roll? I put it here in my notes. I had something about um, Moses, but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for another moment. But I got to thinking, I got a phone call yesterday from Al Mango and 
we were talking about some of this stuff, and he read me something about a man that uh, was in legislature and a man that, that uh, lost two elections, a man that pretty much failed at everything he tried to do as a child and as a young man, and all the, all the heartache and all the suffering and all the things he went through. But at the end of the story, that man turned out to be the 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. His resume was full of failures. His resume was full of mistakes. His resume was full of wrong choices. But at the end, because he stayed faithful to the call and he stayed, he stayed focused, the, the, the history tells us he was one of the greatest presidents that ever lived. He's the one that, that delivered this nation from slavery and freed the slave and turned our nation around, Abraham Lincoln. And then in closing, I think about a kid who in third grade was sent home by the teacher because he was too slow to understand. He was too slow to get a grasp. He was not smart. He was dumb. The teacher actually said he was ignorant. And, and, and that man turned out to be Albert Einstein. How crazy is that? As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. Father, we are here. We are in your presence. And in your presence, there is joy beyond measure. The bins are full of things you have for us. Let us be willing to step up and say, here's what I need, Lord. Here's what needs to happen. Here's what I'd like for you to do in my life. Your word says that we have not because we ask not. And many ask not because they don't realize that the possibilities and the potential is unlimited. There's nothing you won't do for us if our heart's in the right place. Visit every home, visit every life, visit every person. Let them purpose in their heart to be stable and consistent. Let them purpose in their heart to get good at the one thing they do and let them, let them do that well. Let that one accomplishment bring promotion. Let that one accomplishment bring provision. Let, let that one accomplishment bring purpose. Touch each one of us individually and collectively in your name. Let us leave this place looking, expectation, looking for reversal, looking for your favor, looking for your direction. We choose not to take a step unless we hear you say, this is the way, walk you in it. We walk away from the negative of yesterday. We walk away from bad decisions. We walk away from wrong influences. And we say, Lord, direct our steps. Speak in our spirit. Let us, let us be open to hear your voice. The voice of another we will not follow, but we will follow your voice. Let this be a different week. Open doors this week that, that no man can open. Close doors this week that no man can, can close. Let us walk where you've called us to. For your banner over us is love. And we walk, we walk in that love this morning to know that we are perfectly loved by a righteous and a holy God. In Jesus' name we pray. And they all said, Amen. Amen. What a joy to be a part of the family of God. What a joy to see you in the house of the Lord. I am not going to embarrass Tanner, but Tanner approached me last week 
and made a, made a decision in some areas of his life. And he said, Pastor, the moment I made those decisions, I saw things turn around financially. It's amazing how God watches over our seed and how well he knows. Go ahead, give the Lord a hand clap of, a, of appreciation. Uh, he is faithful. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow into the kingdom. We know the word says we bring God's tithe, our offering. Our offering is a, it's, it's, it's ours. We do what we want with it. And sometimes we choose to take a portion of that and sow it into good ground. I believe this morning that harvest is good ground. I believe this morning, Church of the Harvest, is a good field for you, for you to sow in. Uh, as we sow this morning, I will be going uh, a little later, uh, either, either this afternoon or tomorrow, I will be going and I will be taking the love offering to this family that lost everything. Uh, I don't really have any sizes or anything of that nature that uh, I can ask you to bring clothes, but I will. I, would you like to be involved in part of that restoration? Is that something you'd like to be involved in? Let me find this. They, they lost their dishes. They lost their mic. They lost everything. The house literally burnt to the ground. That's hard to grasp, losing photographs and, and memories and clothes. And you can't really place a value on some things that, that uh, you have. They're, they are priceless and they're, they're precious to us. So be in prayer. Uh, her name is Rachel and the husband's name is Chris. And uh, Melissa, you know, you remember the... Um, the Boland family. Yeah. Remember Eddie? This is Eddie's daughter. Eddie's daughter. Did you know? Did you hear about it? Yeah. yeah so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take them a love offering a little later, in the next couple of days, and we're going to bless them. And it seemed like there was something else that was important that I wanted to share. Don't miss Wednesday night. Uh, the Book of Daniel is one of the most probably the top five books, and they're all great. But it's just it's just super great. It's a super great book or we can learn from Daniel, who was living in captivity. He was actually, he was actually a slave. He was actually in captivity. And how God used him in that slavery, and God used him in that captivity. If you have an offering envelope, lift your hand. And our handsome Pastor Todd will share with you. Yesterday, we took four boxes uh, packed with groceries. Uh, we took four bags of clothing. And we took about 20 boxes of cereal to the homeless. I uh, was told uh, by a text that there were two decisions for the Lord yesterday in the homeless ministry. And we thank God for that. And we're, we're glad that we're able to sow in that ministry. We thank God for that. I want to conclude with, um, with this thought, with this 